Welcome to Five Stripe Weekly. This week, we're gonna break down the good that was Herediano, the bad that was DC United, and we're gonna preview the gigantic match coming up in CCL against Monterey. We're gonna break it all down next. Welcome to the show, Five Stripe fam. I'm AJ, this is Devin. Wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. Well, fam, soccer is a crazy thing, right? It's, you got the highs, you got the lows. It's like a pendulum swing, you know? Sometimes just... you're left inside the glass case of emotion, and I think we certainly all fell. We felt the range this week. I mean, <laughs> with Herediano being the 4-0 at Kennesaw, and then obviously what happened in D.C., there's a lot to break down. There is, and so we'll get right into that 4-0 thrashing of Herediano first. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we really pretty much just reversed that juju and, uh, you know, we uh, saw a brace from Joseph Martinez, uh, Julian Gressel outside of the boot strike as well as a LGP header. The ceiling goal off of a set piece too, yeah. which was a beautiful thing to see. So Exactly. And so, yeah, it's something that, um, you know, we definitely needed to kind of, uh, you know, right that ship in some regard. Uh, for this uh, Herediano match uh, and to be able to get through to the round of eight uh, is super key because yes, this is the uh, the competition that we are prioritizing yep. and I think everybody should realize that yeah, it's the biggest trophy that we can win this year. It's also the trophy that it seems that all the MLS clubs are prioritizing as yeah. all four advance. I believe that's one of the first times that that's, that's happened in this, in yeah. this competition. You see teams like Sporting Kansas City and Red Bulls and Atlanta United and you know Toronto Houston yeah. or did we say Toronto yeah well whoops yeah. sorry <laughs> anyway but uh, not, not Toronto so not every one of them but not all the American uh, MLS clubs did go through but uh Jab. <laughs> but in terms of uh yeah in, you know we overturned that that first defeat which was ugly that 3-1 in Costa Rica yep. that uh if you stayed up for I mean I we're sorry bless your heart and you know, that was always going to be difficult going on the road your first competitive yeah. match of the season in a foreign country, you know, in a in a different pitch. We all admit that 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 pitch kind of looked different and dried out. Uh, it was you know, almost like crazy bounces, and they knew how to play it. It was like a yeah. it was like a pool shark knowing his table. Like mm -hmm. there were some balls that Jimmy Marin was just bouncing with this spin that you know their players mm -hmm. knew where to go with it. But you know, we were able to rectify that situation right. in front of a rowdy and proud set of seventeens. Yeah, uh, in, you know, in, Kennesaw. in Kennesaw. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, we saw. Shea really uh, ball out and you know he provided that assist to Joseph uh, that was uh, yes, Joseph essentially had two tap-ins in, in this yeah. match and uh, you know his first finish does. had some power that, oh, that, for sure. that first finish he definitely meant mm. to put that in and, and mm. it was beautiful to see us play attacking soccer knowing that we mm. had a deficit to overcome and, it, and knowing that the fans were going to be behind it. The, the right. minute that they put that first goal in, you could see the Herediano players were shook. Yeah, 40, 47 seconds in. Uh, I mean, they barely got a touch. They got one touch, and then we got a rebound, and then we uh, were able to put that in. And their goalkeeper but, uh, made a save, you know, yeah. before we scored. So mm -hmm. we literally took the opening kick down, right. you know, went to the other side of the pitch and, and, and put pressure on, which is what Atlanta United can do. Mm -hmm. It's what we want to see, and it's, right. it's especially what we want to see out of our DPs and our big money signings. Right. And, uh, you know, I think you got to see on a proper pitch where it's watered or, you know, it rained a lot. And so it played fast to our liking. Uh, but I think also a big shout out to the 17s for being oh, yeah. loud from the very beginning where, you know, the it was like uh, maybe 30 minutes before the match even started. We were already chanting. We were uh, that supportive section was rocking. And, I was in section yeah. 125 and you made everybody that made, uh, you know, the supporter section the way that it was. It, it was you made an outdoor stadium sound like a wall. Yeah. You know, not not to say that it was. And I don't want any haters in the comments to say that, oh, Devin said it sounded like Signal Aduna. But it, it had like a BV feel to it the way that the people were mm -hmm. dancing and jumping and really making it loud on that end it was pent-up energy yeah. i feel like for the last two months we haven't had really a match to go to preseason it was pretty much we didn't get to go so uh well, plus yeah. we were also challenged to the fact that you know it wasn't at the bends we've all said our piece about monster jam and supercross mm -hmm. and legacy contracts and breaking those contracts and whether we do it or not mm -hmm. but 
you know, it, 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 we challenged everybody to, to be as loud as seven other people. And, and mm-hmm. while it may not have been 70,000, the 10,800 that made it out certainly did their job. And, yeah. you know, salute to you. I think it was a little less than that. Uh, I think it's the capacity of 10,500. But yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of people were there uh, to be able to show up on a, you know, what was it, a Thursday night? Yeah, very, very good. Uh, but in terms of, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Gressel also looked really good on the right, showing you know his worth as a wingback and his uh, runs. His, his yeah. runs unlocked that system so yes. early mm-hmm. that they were just you know they weren't 100% sure how to play us from the beginning yeah. with with Breck Shea and with Julian Gressel making those runs and being fed by Barco. That match very easily could have been five or six nil. Uh, you know, we had some instances where we we didn't finish shots that were right on. Tito mm-hmm. could have scored late when he came on. Yeah. You know, uh, I still think PT is is still finding his feet um, yeah. in the side. But mm-hmm. you know, we we put the sword to a good team. CS Herediano, while they're not doing that well in the league this year down there, um, you know, they held every advantage going into that match. They and, absolutely did. And, yeah. And if you look at the the odds. We were just that little slim uh, Tetris piece. Yep. So completely oh, different right. seeing that, that that stacked out chart where you know this team needs this many goals to do it, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was not in our favor. But after about ten minutes, everything completely swung. Definitely, and uh, Ezekiel Barker was a huge part of that as well. He was uh, really bossing the match. Uh, yes, he. Uh, had a couple chances that he probably either could have shot or he went down it's or so frustrating. He went left. It's but so frustrating. Either either way, he definitely bossed that match. He did great in that match, and and this this goes to all the people that say that we Barco hate. He's a supremely talented football player. So when he goes out and he does the certain things that he does. It's amplified. We watch him for moments of greatness and we expect certain things out of him. So when he has potential breakaways that he turns into turnovers by taking the ball back to a crowded center pitch instead of taking it wide, we need to note that. And we need to be able to say that because if that's not shown on film and if Frank DeBoer doesn't show that and if Orlando Trustful doesn't show that in mm-hmm. training, then people don't correct their mistakes. Yeah. So I don't want it to come across like we're Barco hating. Barco had a great match and he mm-hmm. put in an industrious effort. Nobody questions questions his heart, nobody questions his effort. What we do question is his decision making and his timing. He, he, you can often tell, I go through this a lot, and, and Tanner's not here to talk about Man United this week, but I'll talk a little bit about Arsenal. I, f- I compare um, Ezekiel Barco to Alexander Owobi at Arsenal. I think they're both supremely talented individuals. I think that they have every bit of skill. I just think that their decision-making leaves a lot to be desired. The, the final third, yeah, maybe it just uh, comes a little too fast for them, or maybe it's the, the pieces around them aren't in place. Who knows? It's maybe it all a combination, but uh, in terms of Herediano, though yeah. they uh they didn't really offer too much in this match maybe it was because they pretty much got uh swindled or maybe not the word for that but maybe they got hit so early that they didn't really know what to do with themselves they were shell-shocked they yeah. were absolutely it was That's you know word, i yeah. said this i said this in the last thing you know it's it's the mike tyson theory everybody yeah. everybody has a strategy or a game plan <laughs> until you get punched in the face right and we punched them in the face twice in 10 minutes and their lead was gone. Yeah. So then they literally had, their lead was not only gone, their, you know, their goal differential, everything was, mm-hmm. at that point in time at 2-0, we could have locked down and, mm-hmm. and and played park the bus if we really wanted to, yeah. but that wasn't our style. We, we wanted mm-hmm. to make an imprint on that match. Right. I feel like, like CS Herediano in watching that match, mm-hmm. Their strategy was bunker, hoof it long, and hope that you can find somebody sleeping. Right. Hope that and and the officials in that match, it, I, like I told you, it was so nervy seeing LGP get a get a yellow card 18 right. minutes in, and then and then knowing that 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 ref was just so random. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm amazed we finished with 11 on the pitch. Yeah, because yeah, LGP honest. probably. Uh, I mean, maybe we could have. Uh, you know, we should have maybe taken him off, uh, but he showed that he uh, finished the match, and you know it was. Well, he not did the really smart thing issue, too. But... At half, he walked right up to the ref, introduced uh-huh. himself, and said, "Listen, like." What did I do? Just yeah. and it wasn't confrontational. Uh-huh. It was more of an explanation. Like right. I, I need to know how to not do this again. Right. Exactly. So I feel like in a lot of ways he's shoulder to shoulder that was on the the uh, the right wing or our left wing, and essentially, yeah. I mean, he 
was a little, uh, you know, uh, a if little that's rash. a yellow, yeah. then then, then Barco's dog so on the other side is a straight red. I'm yeah. sorry, agree. Like, like there's there was just, there's some inconsistency, yeah. but we got past it. So right. that you know that that's a whole we can we can talk referees all right. day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. But let's let's when not, it comes but, uh, to Herediano, uh, we 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 made it through that we uh, you know survive in advance. That's the yeah. most important thing in this tournament. It's true, but uh, also they weren't really doing a whole lot like we were saying, and so they didn't really test us a whole lot defensively so the likes of a Breck Shea the likes of a Gressel weren't really being uh you know Put, put to our uh, put to our, our our paces or anything like that, and so the only time they ever looked dangerous was when we conceded fouls and, and free yeah, kicks. Exactly, the, the and they were kick, looking for every, everything. Everything they were going down so, as quickly as they possibly could, mm-hmm. looking for that call, and they were being given it. They so were, the biggest were. problem for me that I see going forward, and this kind of leads into to DC. Mm-hmm. We gave up a free kick match against Herediano down there. We gave up a, a, a goal off of a free kick, their, yeah. their third goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and again against you know DC, it, it's yeah. just it's. These free kicks are, are going to be an issue if we if yeah. we don't practice against well, them. Well, it's uh, it's something that they have practiced and they still are susceptible. I think it's maybe just the personnel at hand at this point. Maybe it's uh, something else, but I think it's it's definitely something uh, to that regard. But uh, let's get to the post match just a little bit. Uh, how Frank de Boer really praised Ezekiel Barco's performance, mm-hmm. called it unbelievable. Uh, I mean, he was really just praising his performance in this match, and uh, yeah, I mean, just his work rate was his just... heart and his industry was definitely yes. top notch. He, you know, mm-hmm. he, like we've always said with Barco, we don't question his effort; we question his decision making. And, right. and, and maybe that's just me. If I'm alone in this, then so be it. Yep. I think he had a good match. I don't think he was man of the match, yep. uh, just because of. The, I think the turnovers were critical, uh-huh. uh, and I think other players were better in this match. But you know, we need that. We we need a man of the match performance out of a out of a Barco, out of a Joseph, out of a PT Martinez every match because those are our big names. Yeah, agreed. those are those are our DPS, and those are the people that we pay the top dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, MLS wise, yeah. we pay them the big money to be the person that comes in and influences the play every time, and we need them to be that. So mm-hmm. yes, we're gonna look at Barco, we're gonna look at Joseph, and we're gonna look. At PT and to some extent Gressel and LGP and Guzan, the internationals, we're going to look at them, you know, with a with a more scrutinized lens. Yeah. So in terms of this, uh, who's your man of the match for uh, for Herediano? I said it. I said it mm-hmm. at, the, at the fan cam mm-hmm. afterwards. I thought Breck Shea was incredible. So, I, th- okay. I thought that um, coming from what we had with George Bello, you know, looking somewhat out of place and somewhat mm-hmm. out, you know out of his league. Mm-hmm. In, in Costa Rica, just mm-hmm. looking somewhat unprepared, I think Breck came in and provided a, a stability and just a, a, a grit. Uh, they couldn't mm-hmm. get past him. He was he was literally a giant on that on that side. He had two assists. You know, he was making the runs. You know, when Nagby would find him, it was it was a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Darlington Nagby kind of really controlled the middle of the pitch in that matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Breck Shea when, was when the man of the match. Yeah, but Breck Shea was the man of the match for me. Yeah. Oh no, no, I'm talking about the the. I think Darlington Nagby controlled the match in Kennesaw. In, in Kennesaw, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, for me, I think it's Ezekiel Barco. Uh, yeah, he definitely, like I said, uh, yeah, he was really, uh, you know, in terms of every single facet of uh, our attack, he was pretty much pushing it forward. He was, uh, you know, on our counter attacks. He was the guy that the ball was going to. Um, it's crazy that neither yeah. one of us mentioned a goal scorer too. I mean, yeah. like literally, the <laughs> engines that made the attack work are the ones yeah. are the ones. In, you you got to have the, the creativity happen. to make the goals happen. So you know, that's uh, I think uh, those are our men of the match, and let's get on to the downer in DC United. Not the downpour in DC. The downpour as well. <laughs> uh, of course, it was a two nil loss. And, uh, you know, we I, I think we got to give plaudits to DC United for really playing us off the park. They uh, just controlled all facets of this match. They came really. out ready to play. That team was yeah. that team was up for the match, mm-hmm. uh, their first competitive match of the season. Right. Maybe it's a rest factor. Maybe it's something that maybe, mm-hmm. they were playing at home. They always play well against us. Mm-hmm. We... I don't know what that effort was. If you watch the fan cams, I got a little ranty, and I don't apologize for it. Yep. Um, I, 
I have no idea what we watched last night. It was as disjointed as I've seen since last season, uh, last summer when we mm -hmm. played DC to a three-one. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, but at least we scored there. Right. I I'm sure the weather played a factor. I'm mm -hmm. sure tiredness probably. I don't want to say tiredness played a factor in match three yeah, of the season. Yeah, exactly. I think that's. I think these guys are professional athletes. That mm -hmm. you know, yes, we are in the early part of the season, but these guys uh -huh. train for stuff like this. Right. And uh, so <laughs> that's the interesting part about this is why Frank de Boer kind of went with nine of the top choice 11, or at least, you know, unchanged uh, nine, yeah. I guess. And so in terms of that... Uh, and then he ended up playing the other two. Yeah, yeah, exactly, coming in. And so why do you think, uh, in your opinion, why he did this? I think he you, you, you can't start an MLS season as a defending champion by fielding a, a completely flip line. Like, you have to have somebody in there. It's a national game. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if, if MLS or ESPN weighs in and says, hey, you know, it's kind of like the NBA where you can't sit LeBron on the road or whatever it is. Sure, you sure. Know, I, I'm not sure if it's if it's something like that. I mean, that that would be ridiculous. It uh, would be, but it, but if you think case, about it, it's an it, it's the kickoff. It's the season kickoff. It's, yeah, it's, it's Rooney. It's, it's a national match. Yeah. It's Rooney Joseph. They wanted everything. Exactly. People are definitely watching from overseas as well. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can so, see what you're talking about. So but. I think that in some some shape or form, you know, Atlanta can't come out and get beat five 0 with with an ATL United two squad out there. You can't do that. That's mm -hmm. I I wasn't calling for that. But it showed some glaring, in my mind, recruiting issues in that you're playing a left-footed right back. And Mikey Ambrose at right wing back, definitely. Yeah. That was the perplexing change that, uh, I mean, if you saw yeah, a, right, a left-footed uh, right wing back in Gordon Wilde who had actually played that in preseason, mm -hmm. that would have actually made some sense. Now, my but... only fear with that, again, too, is that shows you if Julian Gressel gets hurt this season, we are in a bad, bad bad way yeah it's uh and especially with a franco escobar who is injured uh but might be coming back soon uh yeah we are very very razor thin at this position with guys that have any experience playing a right wing back but also as a right back we don't, really don't have any options we don't have except any. for franco escobar who is uh kind of a right center back right back i mean you know yeah it's it's a uh, we're square peg round hole exactly. in a lot of players and a lot of positions in a new formation which we'll mm. get to later definitely but uh yeah in terms of uh i mean let's maybe even try to grasp some positives out of this match uh, if we can at all uh i think that uh you know the team at least set up in a more disciplined fashion than we've seen in some of the, the past. Uh, you mean they DC. played with a handbrake on? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, in terms of their positioning for, uh, you know, our defensive actions, they were definitely in the maybe right spots, but they're maybe not being aggressive and really hounding the ball and trying to maybe uh, how many press. 50, how many 50-50 ball tackles were won? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the biggest glaring thing mm -hmm. when we're sitting at Hudson FC watching the match and yeah. AJ and I are just looking at each other and every single time there was a ball between two players, DC United's player was going to take it. Every time. We, did, we, we didn't go in strong to a single tackle. Yeah, you saw the, <laughs> uh, the, the energy and the industry from their players and we just looked kind of lethargic or... Uh, yeah, with that handbrake on where maybe they were instructed to maybe take it easy or something. I, I can't imagine that would be the case, but it looked like that. I have no idea what, the, what I mean, because seriously, what system do you deploy where you say, we're going to let Paul Areola run free. We're going to let Luciano Acosta run free. We're going to let Wayne Rooney run Yeah, free. get a whole, like, full head of steam and pretty much get a free run in midfield and then pretty much go at our backpedaling backline. It's just, yeah, it's not a, it, it not, looked, not it a looked recipe zonal. for success. It looked like a zonal marking system uh -huh. with no man, man marking coverage. Like, right. there was just too much space. It mm -hmm. showed on their second goal where Acosta obviously takes that knuckle puck ball. Sure, yeah. Know, I, but it, he should have never had that much space. Mm -hmm. We didn't close down. We didn't mark anybody. Mm -hmm. it, it, we didn't. It's a case of the, you know, the formation, 3-4-3, three, three, having only two midfielders our midfielders are overrun. I mean, essentially, you have the likes of Rooney, Acosta, Ariola, Lucas Rodriguez making his MLS debut, all looking like world beaters, and it's just 
yeah, and I just mean, running free into channels. I mean, yeah. like most teams will set up with two banks of four to defend against us as we go side to side. Mm -hmm. I don't know what defense we play. Mm -hmm. and, and setting up in two banks of four is pretty standard across right. leagues. You see it all the time. Like mm -hmm. they'll set up in, like I said, two banks of four, right. you know, and typically teams try to swing side to side to break through and find channels that mm -hmm. they can run through. DC just looked like gangbusters. We made a turnover in the attacking third. Mm -hmm. They came down and just, it was yeah. bombs away. Yeah, and but I guess, you know, uh, kind of harping on the positives, I guess, if we're trying to still do that. Uh, are we still doing that? Yeah, we're still trying to do that. Uh, <laughs> so essentially though, you know, the chances that we gave up are pretty much preventable to a degree. Uh, at least, you know, the second one, but the first one, it was a quarter that probably wasn't a quarter for one. Uh, and then so, you know, that almost always happens at the death of a half, right? It just almost what always is it, happens. What is it with us with the injury time goals right before half that completely yeah. changed the team talk? That completely, mm -hmm. I mean, if you can go in nil-nil at a bad half, in the weather, in DC, on the road, after yeah. having played them, you can. I mean, it was that a team pretty horrid first half, and if it was nil nil, if it was nil nil, you could clap it off, and you can say, you know what, guys, put it behind us. We got 45 minutes. Let's go out and get this win. Or if yeah. nothing else, let's get a draw. Let's yeah. let's let's fight for a draw. Yeah. But giving up that that like I said, what it, it must have been what 45, 47 of the one minute of added time yeah, in which yeah, they score, yeah. and it's just these mental lapses. It's mental lapses on set pieces, mm -hmm. and Paul Ariola scores against us every yeah, single time. Yeah, on the on the front post, essentially. I mean, it comes uh, across, and then yeah, I mean, he gets uh, just you know he's unmarked. It's yeah, it's not not a good look, but um, yeah, in terms of uh, you know the grand scheme of it. You know, those are maybe just more individual errors in terms of, uh, yeah, if we're playing zonal, then we're, we need to fix that because it's man marking. If there's a guy that pretty much gets, you know, a free look, it's not good. We've played two matches on the road. We've got five goals against, one goal for, two set piece goals scored against. It's not a good look. We yeah. need, we need then, to fix it. Exactly. And so let's get to the negatives, I guess, on this, uh, which... I mean, kind of, uh, you know, it's that starting 11, it's the formation, and it's, I think, the tactics. It's beyond just 3-4-3, three, three. Uh, but, you know, you definitely were either uh, applauded or maligned on, uh, you know, on social media and YouTube everywhere uh, for... I want all the smoke. Don't subtweet yeah. me, just hit me up. At Devin For Real on Twitter, I'm more than happy to engage with you. Yeah. So in terms of the 343, let's kind of go over again. So for the people that may not understand where you're actually coming from about 343, uh, what are your qualms with it? Nobody else plays it successfully or deploys it in the world. And when you give me examples of teams and managers that aren't there anymore or have un, you know, unlimited checkbooks and aren't in a salary cap gam tam league, that's that's comparing apples and aircraft carriers. You can't tell me that England deploys a 3-4-3 when they deploy a 3-5-2 and switch their formation to a 4-3-3 against Croatia in the semifinal, which they lost. Uh, there's nobody, you know, yeah, if your best example of a, of a current team playing a 3-4-3 in the world is Wolves. Yeah, I mean, that's a team that, uh, yeah, I mean. Or if you want to point out, you know, Antonio Conte led Chelsea, he's not there anymore. Yeah, but yeah, in terms of Wolves, they are a team that are have a lot of money being pumped in. And so, you know, most of these teams that play a 3-4-3, they have at least two players at each position that can really handle... Or they're a national team that has yeah, an abundance sure. of talent where mm -hmm. players are they cut. Can, <laughs> yeah, they can pick and choose the best talent of your country. Uh, but I think in terms of, you know, the, the actual tactics of our 3-4-3, it's a little bit more side-to-side. -side. There's no pressing involved. Uh, at least so far anyway. And then, you know, your midfield's being overrun. It's very flat with just, you know, not a lot of uh, verticality. It's it requires just... supreme athleticism yeah. and it requires like top-notch decision-making. Exactly, you... and being on the ball, you have to be 
just very, very, uh, not really, not, not just like technically good, but yes, you have to be precise. Your, you have to be precise yeah. and you have to be Mark Overmars. You have to be Dennis yeah. Bergkamp. Mm -hmm. It works for the Dutch because the Dutch are technically precise mm -hmm. and it really hasn't worked for the Dutch since 2010. So let's be 100% honest about the system. It's old, it's not employed by teams around the world, and it's not really that successful in the in today's Atlanta United. We don't have the depth, nor do we have the personnel. You know, if we ran a 3-5-2, or like Matt Doyle said, a 5-4-1, as we bastardized this 3-4-3 into, um, then we might have you know more success. But if we continue to push a system that's not based on the talent that you have, mm -hmm. you're gonna continue to square peg round hole and you're gonna continue to fight for results away from home where you can't possess and control. Yeah, because we want to dominate the opposition completely, whether we're home and away. That That is the goal from Frank de Boer. But uh, I think at this moment- Total vote ball. Yeah, total vote ball. And at this moment, we just don't have the personnel to be able to do that. And so we have to be a little bit more pragmatic at times. We have to maybe uh, figure out what our strengths are. And uh, I mean, when we won MLS Cup, we pretty much gave the ball to the opposition. Yeah, and, and, so let's, and let's be 100% honest too. This is all happening very fast. Yes. You have an MLS Cup winning team. Let's call it a Bugatti. The MLS version of a 2019 Bugatti and you're driving it like it's a 2008 VW Passat with the handbrake on. All right. I understand that a new coach means a new system, but it also doesn't mean instant implementation. Yeah. You take what you have. This is, like I said, this is not the Premier League where you have somebody infusing a hundred million in a transfer when you, window mm -hmm. to go get players. You literally have to work with what you have. So as a coach in the MLS, you have to adapt your system to your personnel. Mm -hmm. To come in and say, this is what we play, and, and I'm Frank DeBoer and that's how it's gonna be, is going to cause dissension and it's going to you're going to lose a locker room fast and you're going to see more crystal palace and enter than you will see Ajax. yeah because buying into this system in this league takes a modification on the coach and the player's side mm -hmm. it takes buy-in from all sides but why are the players going to buy into a system that they don't feel comfortable with coming off of a championship yeah and uh i mean it, it's something that okay in terms of uh you know defensively we have looked a little bit... Uh, We've always know, looked shaky. Look, look shaky, but it's something that DeBoer has been focusing on. Uh, Parkhurst has been mentioned uh, or has mentioned in the press that, yeah, we've been focusing on a lot of the, uh, you know, just the, uh, you know, set pieces, defensive actions, you know, what we need to do to be in position. Have you? And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, you know, that is, uh, it, we don't see it maybe, but uh, it's, it's one of those, you know. Other people uh, have film too. Yeah, And exactly. apparently they're watching what we're not doing because they're scoring mm -hmm. goals on set pieces and they're ripping our defense apart. Yeah. Like I said, away from home, five goals against. You know, at home, Kennesaw, four, four goals, four. But I think what's more damning <clears throat> is that we're not creating chances. And so five chance or five shots uh, against DC is really One very four poor. save, two on net. Yeah, very poor against their, what, 20? So it's, yeah. just, it's, it's a little bit lopsided in terms of that. Yes, it's against DC who played us off the park, but let's really kind of point out that in the last 15 minutes, uh, that impetus to attack was not there. To bring on Jeff Lerotowitz and really when we were chasing, we yeah. needed a goal and there wasn't any sort of uh, Where's Andrew drive. Carlton? Yeah, he's I mean, on the 18 and so, you know, he's a guy who can create why you just said not, it. You just right? said it. Down so, two on the road. What do in you the really elements. lose? What are you doing? What do you, what do you really lose though? Because are we are we worried about goal difference? We're not. You you go and chase a goal. You try to get back in the game. And and everybody out there that says that you don't lose the supporter shield on week one. How many points did Red Bulls beat Atlanta United out? for the Supporters' Shield last year. Yeah, you might not lose it week one, but you certainly can drop some points that are gonna hurt you in week 34. Right, and so yeah, you, you definitely wanna try to win every single match, sure, and th that's maybe his mindset going in to answer the question from all the way back, is uh, why did he do this? Is maybe, yeah, he you know was putting that onus on this match, but in terms of the tactics, in terms of uh, you know his system that he's put in, 
it's just on the road, it clearly doesn't work. So it, it made no sense and, and, and not to harp on it, but you were handed the keys to a really, really, really good team that liked the way that it played. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and you can almost hearken it, and we're here in Atlanta, let's compare it to the Atlanta Falcons after the Super Bowl. You know, you had an offense that was one of the best in NFL history, and you bring in a new offensive coordinator, and suddenly the guys look like they don't know each other. I compare that to what's going on with Atlanta United right now. There's just not cohesion on a team that scored how many goals last year? Yeah, you know, we, 70, yeah. When did we yeah. look like we were gonna score against DC? Did, did we ever look dangerous at any point in time outside of Tito's shot that went wide? Did we look dangerous? Yeah. Tito's shot that went wide or... I mean, Bill Hamid, Bill Hamid made a, made a meal out of that save. I mean, yeah. like, you know, that was one of those things like, I'm bored, so I'm going to dive at a ball hit right at my head. And yeah. also maybe, you know, he's trying to get one over on uh, a Brad Guzan, who he had some uh, some very interesting things to say about. Uh, pretty much claiming that he's a better goalkeeper than Brad Guzan. That's... Kind of a quote unquote, pretty much. And uh, yeah, he pretty much uh, was kind of challenging Brad Guzan, I think not only for this match, but for the US men's national team spot, which he sees. Like, yeah, he wants that goalkeeper spot. But So I understand to that regard. But I'll put it this way. Is Brad Guzan his main competition for that? For yeah, that, it's uh, really not. Or, I mean, he's or, a part of he's it. He's a part of it. Stefan is the you, guy. You have six caps. He has, what, 60 plus? Yeah, I mean, plus he's played in the Premier League. He's, he's yeah. He's won MLS Cup. Yeah. You it's, know, it's kind of one of those things, like, let your action on the pitch speak. Um, I, 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 play, I played goal. Which technically did in terms of, yes, they always have our number. Yeah. But in terms of, uh, you know... Uh, but having played the position, and, and our good friend, you know, Jessica Sharman from, from Unrelegated ATO played yeah. the position, and she said the same thing. It's literally like, it, it is a goalkeeper's union. You, you know, yeah. we, are, we are different than any other player on the pitch, and we should have a certain modicum of respect for our fellow goalkeepers. Exactly right. If you want to get mouthy, that's fine. You know, I, I, if people can talk all along, but if you're really comparing yourself to Brad Guzan, then you're not going to start for the men's national team anyways because there's a guy who's going to Man City by the name of Zach Steffen who's better than you. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, uh, let's also get to, you know, uh, Brad Guzan's reasoning for missing that Acosta goal. And so Brad Guzan said, the shot just moved away from me and I was almost handcuffed and couldn't react. I'll take that one. Those things happen, unfortunately. Hopefully, I've got more saves than mistakes in this long season. He hit it well and pure. It was moving a bit, but I expect to save that nine times out of ten. I expect you to save it a lot more than that, like 9.978 times out of 10. It was a knuckleball, absolutely, but it, it looked like it went less than a foot past your, your arm. Mm -hmm. uh, I also believe you should have come forward on the shot as opposed to watching it knuckle and, and waiting for it to dip. But, you know, the goalkeeper, is, to me, is the most difficult position on the field. It's right. kind of like it, you get, you you're might the, get you're one, the hero or the, the You're goat. the hero of the goat. So, you know, and having played the position, I have full respect for the weather, the conditions, the elements. But it has to be said, there's no reason that Luciano Acosta should have five yards of space to dribble up and take a shot. That's yeah, on the it's defense. It's not all him, yeah. It's, but, you know, it, is that communication? Is that players just not knowing the system? You have, like, we, like we said earlier, you had Luciano Acosta, Wayne Rooney, and, uh, you know, uh, and another one of their players, I, oh, mm -hmm. Paul Ariola, running through the channels unmarked, unchecked mm -hmm. for the majority of the match. Mm -hmm. So if, if Brad, even if Brad makes that save, who's to say that there's not somebody there for the rebound or True. that they don't score again later because we were getting overrun? Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, uh, you know, in terms of that, let's uh, let's wrap a bow on this DC United match, uh, I think probably happily. And throw it in the <laughs> trash. Yeah, or as you've said, uh, you know, let the players really watch that at every turn of their eye. If there's a... Uh, a TV because yeah you you want to you want them to really study the tape and learn from these mistakes and and we saw the session in preseason like like Frank mm -hmm. DeBoer makes the team watch film yeah and it's instances like this that you either learn from or you you get drummed out of the league because mm -hmm. you know this is stuff that our players like we can't make these mistakes over mm -hmm. and over again so if you see it and you're reminded of it hopefully it hits home yeah. and uh, and you can improve. And Breguzan went on to say, playing in this league, it's competitive, it's difficult, it's a long season. There's no need to panic. These type of games, you can look back at the video to see how to get better. And so, yes, uh, you know, maybe some people have said that, uh, you know, my compadre here has panicked because of, uh, you know, the fan cam, but 
you know, I kind of disagree to a, a large part, actually, because, yeah, I think you know, you have to look at the systems in place when you have a very, very important match coming up and when it's been up and down results. I mean, it's not really, you know, inspiring and, you know, creating a lot of confidence look for the fans. Look at the stats. The look, at, look at the stats. Look at the numbers. In, in, in season openers, we're 0-0-3. In the three matches we've played this season, we're 1-0-2. Uh, in the one match that we played at home, we scored four goals and didn't concede. In the two matches we've played away, uh, we've conceded five times. We've scored once on an own goal. So, you know, let's let's be 100% honest and let's be 100% real. It's not panic. It's just it's early enough to make changes. You survived and advanced in the CCL. That's awesome. Now you got to play a whole other animal. Yeah. You got to play a monster of a team with Premier League experienced players. You know, yeah. it, 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 we'll break down Monterey here yeah. shortly it's, for you. That's coming up. <laughs> but uh, let's get into the news. And Atlanta United have finalized their roster. And yeah, there's some interesting tidbits. Uh, John Gallagher has uh, gotten a green card. LGP has gotten a green card. Back to John Gallagher for a second. You know, the right back and right wing back position being a little bit thin. They, you know, that's a, an option that can play. If and he, he performed is, well for it at Lenny United 2 last yeah, year. Yeah, indeed, so. indeed he did. So that's somebody that, uh, you know, we will need, I think, for that depth for the future. Uh, and Anderson Asiedu was uh, officially signed, but is unfortunately not available because of the lack of international spots. But, uh, now yeah. this is something that I want to say. Jason Longshore told us a long time ago to think that think of international slots as six round picks. So I would like to ask if he still feels the same way with Anderson Asiedu, our first round pick, the one that we've signed, pretty much unavailable because of international slots. And we're we're pretty thin in midfield as we can see as well. I mean, you have a Kevin Kratz not available, and then you have although apparently he apparently he is back and was in training yeah, today. But um, in, in terms of that, you know, you are thin. Yeah. You, uh, in, in terms of this system as well, I mean, you know, we're going to get back to 343 again uh, because you have to have two guys that are extremely good on the ball and defensive. Yeah. And so with that, I mean, not every single player in this, uh, you know, in, in our depth can do that. No. And so, you know, you will get overrun a lot of times and, you know, we, we really need to maybe kind of. Be flexible. We need to be flexible in, and not rigid to the tactics. Like right. we need to be able to look at what the teams are bringing against the, us and, and the adjust. personnel hand. Yeah. And so, uh, but anyway, uh, Pogba, our Florentine, Florentine Pogba, Pogba, yeah, has uh, got his work visa, and uh, so in terms of his availability, he's now able to practice again. Also, uh, yes, he hasn't really played a meaningful match in a really long time. Time so. to get back up to speed, son. Yeah, we need so you. A lot of people that were calling for him in the lineup in the starting 11, it's like, it's not quite yet. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, he's got to get that match fitness. He's got to get um, some meaningful minutes. But, but take take some take some some positives out of uh, the play of Darlington Nagby. Players mm -hmm. can get back, especially these elite level athletes. Like I sure. would expect to see Pogba get some meaningful minutes pretty soon. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, but yeah, Alinea also has loaned uh, Jose Hernandez left back and Ford Patrick Oconquo to Atlanta United two for the season. And so, yes, if we do need them, yes, it will be a little bit more of a complicated process to bring them up. But uh, that is still depth nonetheless. Uh, and in terms of, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Anderson Asiedu, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, I still think that, that he's, a you know, got a big part to play. It's just, you know. Is there a trade out. in the works? Is there something? Because, like yeah. I said, if it's international slots, our international slots are pretty stacked. Yeah, they're, they're full at the moment. But, uh, you know, I think, you know. Especially with Gordon Wilde's inclusion. Exactly. And so that's a big inclusion that uh, kind of signifies, yes, he's going to maybe play a bigger part, especially he wasn't loaned. He was on loan to Charleston Battery last season. And so I think he also had a good preseason. Kid's exciting. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't know why he played or didn't play on Sunday, but... He's the 2019 Julian Gressel in that we're going to Swiss Army knife him onto the pitch in some way, shape, or form, Ooh. and he's going to do well. Ooh. So that's my call. I think Gordon Wilde, Gordon Wilde's going to have to see minutes for you. Um, if not against Monterey, then definitely at home against Cincinnati because we have a run of matches that is just insane. Yeah, and that probably would, you know, maybe be the case of what's 
probably happening is that a Gordon Wild and maybe more of the uh, starting 11 that you didn't see that we, you know, a lot of people uh, had imagined to be the, uh, you know, I guess the second choice starting 11 is maybe going to play against FCC. So, so, we'll so if but. we're talking about that, then then you're going to need a Carlton to step up, and you're yeah. going to need, you're, you know, you're yeah, gonna, you're going to need your your George Bellows to right. come back in. They got beat four one uh, in that first match uh, for FCC in their their MLS uh, debut. So it, you know, welcome think, to the league, yeah. boys. You but know. hey, that first goal, yeah, I know. Well, from uh, from just outside the box, a just clean clean hit. Anyway, if you haven't seen that. Check that out. But, um, you know, the likes of Rooney, the likes of Altidore, the likes of Zlatan, and the likes of Bosch and Schweinsteiger have uh, really lauded Atlanta United and what we're doing down here. And so I think, uh, you know, this result aside, you're looking at some of the biggest names in the game, at least in MLS, yeah. talking really well about Atlanta United. Well, and biggest names on the world stage, too. You're talking yeah. about, like we said, Bastian Schweinsteiger, German World Cup winner. Mm -hmm. You know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, known the world yeah. over, has been a Barca star, has been a, mm -hmm. you know, PSG stars, has been at Manchester yeah. United. Rooney, you know, Wayne said, Rooney, yeah. obviously, enough said. You know, yeah. and Josie Altidore, obviously, um, you know, ha has been the American poster boy right. uh, for many years. So, for them to come out and say that Atlanta United has done it right, and, and, and granted, these are this, that's not something that's fun for these guys to say. No, you no. never, you never want to come out and, and tell the world how good your opponent is, mm -hmm. so, uh, and, and how well they succeeded, and, and to hear them say things like A plus all the way around, mm -hmm. it's it's a beautiful thing. And it, you know, a yeah. lot of that breaks down to the 17s and the dedication of the you know the SGs and, and the supporters and yeah, you know. and also the the front office doing a lot of things the right way, uh, really presenting themselves like a world class organization and really breaking through some barriers, yeah. some numbers, some From our records. facilities to our transfer policy to our performance on the pitch, everything yeah. has been an A+. Mm -hmm. We just have to maintain that. And, and a lot of times what comes across as entitled bitching is literally just knowing that we have a standard to maintain mm -hmm. and, and knowing that this team and this front office has the ability. So when we underperform, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, you know, it comes across as why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With everything that Uncle Arthur puts in, you know, on our plate, like we should totally just, we should be top-notch all the time. Right. And so uh, speaking of top-notch things, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, top-notch pricing again. Wow. Well, aka reverse of that. Yeah. They're lowering the prices yeah. of uh, top-notch pricing scale. Exactly. Of yeah. all the, yeah, and they've really changed a lot of the other teams and uh, their stadiums around, not just. MLS, but a lot of yeah. like football stadiums and like Major League Baseball stadiums in lowering their prices to fan friendly. Uh, so now a hot dog at Mercedes-Benz Stadium is a dollar fifty. It's amazing. That's uh, and it's fantastic. And they're going cashless, which uh, is also allowing them to kind of lower the prices. So yeah, I mean uh, everybody's going to be able to eat a lot uh, more and better. Maybe not. Maybe not better. Well, it but, just makes it economical yeah. for the family. If you think about exactly. it, like it, it, sports had become almost you know. I want to say a rich man's game, but it's it's, yeah. it's one of those situations to where you're it's like priced out. if yeah. you're paying twenty five dollars to park, mm -hmm. you know you, you got to factor in the gas and the time to get to that to to get to the stadium. Right. If you have a family, you know there's four tickets instead of two. Yeah. You know, so every everything just starts to add up. And when you start talking about seven dollar cokes or yeah. you know nine dollar hot dogs and seven dollar nachos and and fourteen dollar beers, like it's it's just not economical. So. You know, AMB did something really good here. Mercedes-Benz Stadium did something really good here in making the product economical mm -hmm. uh, for the people, and that's why we'll continue to pack the stadium. There's 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 a lot of goodwill built up there. Right. Agreed. Agreed. But uh, let's move on to uh, an Atlanta legend, Killer Mike from Run the Jewels, from the Dungeon Family. Dungeon oh, Fam. that's, uh Yeah, he was on Men in Blazers. And uh, yeah, just talking really well about uh, Atlanta as yeah. on a whole. Budweiser's were shared. Raj Bennett <laughs> broke out his hip hop knowledge, and uh, and Killer Mike talked about the city of Atlanta's embrace uh, of it, of all things Five Stripes. And yep. you know, it was good to watch. You mm -hmm. know, uh, shout out Killer Mike, shout out Dungeon Family. Mm -hmm. uh, we love you guys for talking well about the city and for being a part of this family. So mm -hmm. um, to go on Men in Blazers and be able to talk about his new show, Trigger Warning, yeah, um, and also be able to you know wear the scarf and 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 speak knowledge. Knowledgeably on the sport is a good look. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And yes, you know, we have seen Killer Mike 
hit that golden spike as well. So yeah, he's pretty much already part of the family already. So shout out LP too, run the jewels. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but also, uh, so now uh, moving on to Tito Villalba and uh, you know PT, they've made their respective national teams in Paraguay and Argentina. Yep. Uh, and probably likely uh, Jose Martinez is going to be called up soon as well. For Venezuela. And so it will be interesting when. Venezuela plays Argentina, but uh, you know that will be a kind of head-to-head -head that will be very, very tasty. I was gonna say I'm not sure how interesting it will be, as as that rivalry has gone the way of, of Argentina. One, one uh, it's pretty, pretty one-sided. Yeah, for sure. The, but, uh, the the one that I'm more interested in is out. You know, and and speaking to our good buddy Roberto Rojas, mm -hmm. um, I'm really, really hopeful that we can get some behind-the-scenes uh, footage of the first time that. Tito Vijalba and Miguel Almiron see yeah. each other after the transfer. I think that the them, reunion, the reunion going into the Paraguay camp. I can just picture like the the near far wherever you are, <laughs> you know, from Titanic. Yeah, you know, as, as, as they run towards each other, <laughs> you know, I just I, I get a feeling like that Paraguay camp is going to be all about the feels. Yeah, but uh, back to PT Martinez. He is the first MLS player to be called up to the massive. Argentinian national team. That yeah, that wow, that's massive. Uh, that that team <laughs> includes names like Messi yeah. and DiBala and. and to Mendy, I mean mm. Premier League and La Liga talent all over about right. it, and there's there's Atlanta United. You know, when you look at that roster and it lists their club next to where they play for, to see Atlanta United on an Argentinian squad, yeah. knowing that it's the first time in MLS history, I mean it's huge. It, it's mm -hmm. it's massive what this club has done, uh, not just for the league, but you know to to raise the profile of the sport worldwide. Yeah, definitely. But uh, guys, let's move on to the mailbag. You guys sent in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so, and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Terminus United 83. Why didn't we rest more of our starters? Well, we kind of answered that a little bit, but you know, you gotta ask Fran more about that. But I think it has an eye on FC Cincinnati, and that maybe we could rest more players there. And you know, it's a kind of a flow thing. You know? I wonder. I wonder if ESPN didn't have something to do with it. I wonder if MLS. <laughs> uh, it's just speculation. I mean, seriously, it's it's opening night. It's a national match. Mm -hmm. uh, we want Joseph Martinez and Wayne Rooney. Sure. Um, I I I I I, 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 I think you could have <clears throat> achieved that with a little bit more rotation. But I mean, it is one of those things where uh, I get it from one standpoint in that you know it's three matches. They need to get a flow in them yeah. because competitive matches are way different than a friendly match in preseason. So yeah, I mean, uh, it's why didn't really we rest great. more of our starters? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, next question comes from Sam Holloman. Or also Evan Hustle and Alex Hagler with all very similar questions. What formation would you recommend for this team? Are we looking at me here? I'm looking at you. I'm gonna answer it as well. But yeah. I like the three five two. Um, I would say f I would love to run a four two three one, but I know Frank DeBoer just absolutely outright refuses to do it. Um, our personnel can set up really well in a three five two with wingbacks making runs. Um, yeah, uh, if 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 you're refusing to play a four two three one. Then the three-five-two is the way to go. Because mm -hmm. it also was the formation that we largely used in the postseason to be able to win that MLS Cup. Yep. And so I think, yeah, that, that is something that we're more familiar with if we really need to get a result, which maybe for Wednesday, that might be the case. Um, or just not get smacked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, there's that. For me, I prefer the four-three-three. Uh, it's a kind of Dutch formation that's very uh, familiar for Frank de Boer and you know it has three midfielders so that you don't really get the situation where you're overrun um, and it allows uh, you know uh, maybe an Ezekiel Barco to maybe drop into that three or a Nagby, Lorenowitz and a Rometty all very good on the ball and defensively they're uh, solid enough that you know it, it, it is something that you won't really see uh, you know kind of a DC United type of situation again. And just for the new but, watcher, when we talk about systems, they're not rigid. He's not yeah. saying four three three in lines. Like these players yeah. move in systems. But when we talk about a traditional marking setup or a three five two or a four three three, it's basic areas of the pitch where right. you want your players to be. And when we have what we run today as a three four three, we get overrun and there are large gaps large channel gaps right. you know where we're expecting our wing backs to make these runs and we're expecting us to have defensive cover in the mid that's just not there there's also a lack of of cohesion between midfield you know defensive midfield and attack mm -hmm. so 
I see our current system as not fitting the personnel that we have, mm -hmm. which is why we're saying we would rather see a system deployed that fits what we have, as well as the lack of depth that we have. It also gives our players some cover. Indeed, and we'll kind of touch on a little bit more in the match preview. So we'll move on. Uh, Frosted Flicks 12 with the next question. Why did DeBoer play PT and Gressel last night if we're chasing CCL right now instead of MLS? At that point in time in the game, you needed a spark. I mean, it mm -hmm. was it was still there for the taking. Mm -hmm. you, you know, we were. That's why the Lorenowitz substitution didn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense because yeah. you had just brought on two attacker, you know, mm -hmm. two attacking players. Uh, in and Martinez, PT Martinez looked absolutely frustrated last night in oh, his sure. limited appearance. Uh -huh. So why did we bring them on again? It's a, yeah, I mean he's he's trying to go for it maybe at that time, but then you know then you bring on Lorenowitz. That pretty much. Uh, Wasn't it Lorenowitz for Barco too? It I mean, was Lorenowitz for Barco, and so I understand Barco coming off, but you you want another attacker. It's right. just that would have been a perfect spot for Andrew Carlton to come in yeah. and and it's it's get win some win. minutes. It's win win because you know we're already losing, and so you know you want that spark. There it is. You you know you're not heaping a lot of pressure on Andrew Carlton. You're not expecting him to you know, uh, pull us from the dredges of this no. loss, so. And it's the first match of the season. It would have been an early opportunity to get a homegrown some minutes, and especially yeah. somebody that you expect, you know, to, to, see, some, to see some progress out of. I mean, it's it's a big year for Andrew Carlton with Atlanta yeah. United as, as, you know, it's it's time or it's not. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. This is, uh, it's, I would say it's a make or break season for Andrew Carlton for sure. Uh, next question comes from Omar1386. When should we panic? Only three games in. But when is that breaking point? Tough. It's a tough question. I but. mean, when when you like I said, it's it's not panic. It's just observation. When you yeah. watch your mat, when you watch your team look abjectly poor in two of their three first matches, and you know the history of the coach at his previous two stops. Right. You know, yes, we can all look at Ayak and say. He did amazing things there. He won four straight championships. He had an amazing youth system in the Eredivisie. You know, Ajax is a monster over there. Yep. They, they are the big dog of that league. So, you know, um, his, and that's what we're trying to. That's be what we're trying in, to be. But, league, but, yeah. but you're you're literally coming it's more competitive in. Here. You're also coming in off of a championship, mm -hmm. and Ajax has money. Ajax can go out and get what they want. They're not in a cap salary. You know, you're not. Sure. They're not in a salary cap gam tam league. Yeah. So. I just feel like you need you, you need to see adjustment. Otherwise, there are alarm bells. There there are alarm bells going off now, for me. I mean, yeah. and I, I made that personally loudly clear. Pretty clear. I, yeah. I made it really clear. Be yeah. And it's just because I know what this team can be. I've mm -hmm. I've seen this team live. I've yeah. never missed a home match. I watch every away match. I've yeah. seen us play infinitesimally or a million times better than what sure. we played last yeah. night. It's just not. Yeah. It, it, you know, is it time to panic? Yeah, I think for me uh, that breaking point, and I really don't want to go into really specifics of nightmare scenarios, but uh, one part of it is if we crash out of CCL uh, and we also crash out of US Open, uh, yeah, I mean, then it starts to be where uh, if we're not getting results in the league, then you start to have questions, uh, very large questions. And so I these think next two matches are going to answer a lot of questions. Yeah. And, and whether that's positive or negative, like Monterey is really good. They're really good. So and Cincinnati is not. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, it, it's how we look against Cincinnati, uh, but also, uh, you know, how we look on the road. Because, yes, we were very, we were historically good last year on the road. And if we're, you know, a little bit worse than that, yes, it's a new system, new player, uh, new and, uh, you know, new coach, everything. But, uh, you know, you, you kind of have to, I think maybe at mid-season, I think for me, is when you really start to look at every single, uh, you know, competition that we were in. And if we're not where we want to be, I think there's a little bit of panic there. And let's call it what it is. A little bit worse means not home field advantage in a one-off, you know, uh, yeah. playoff system. Everybody forgets this year's MLS Cup is not a home-and-home. -home. Right. It's it's the team with the better record gets the home match all right. the way up to the final. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we need to get these points. We need to play well because yep. teams like SKC and teams like Red, like we said in the preview, Red Bulls are not gonna not gonna take their hand off the or not gonna take their foot off the handbrake. So all of these yep. clubs are literally out to max out their points where they can. And last question comes from he's so well spoken. What's up with the Red Abbies? Solidarity. 
Solidarity slash you guys will see what's coming up soon, so stay tuned and maybe look for that thing on Friday. So, but uh, exciting stuff, and uh, but yeah, let's get to the match preview for Monterey, our round of eight CCL match. Uh, it's leg one, it's 10 p.m., and it is at El Gigante. Uh, de Acero. Yeah, De Acero. But um, yeah, and yeah, also known as the Estadio Baby VE Bancomer. That's my really botched Spanish there. Yeah, I tried, man. Hey, <laughs> you tried. Whatever. We'll you know? call it El Gigante De Acero. <laughs> yeah, anyway. But uh, yeah, it's Wednesday and it's March 6th. Uh, and you can also stream it on Yahoo Sports and whatnot. Uh, all the... Uh, you know, all that information will be maybe either below or, you know, wherever uh, you can find that information. You're but, also going to have Longshore and Conte on 92.9 The Game at 10 p.m. Right. So, uh, anyway, it's the Rayados. It's, they're a very, very tough team. Yeah. They are, a, you know, a very story franchise. Yep. Uh, maybe not franchise, but club. Because uh, we're a franchise, they're a club. But anyway, uh, so, but these keys to the game, we really have to uh, really stay compact in our defense. We really need to work out this formation and lineup that we have in the personnel, but we'll get into that a little later. Uh, but we yeah. need to be ready for an onslaught because they're exactly. coming out all guns blazing. Yeah. Blazing. I mean, they we're rested a lot of their. Players. Oh yeah, their last match at, was it was it Chivas that they beat two uh, 0 with a with a you know with yeah with, I don't think it was Chivas but yeah Tigres yeah I, I think it was Chivas anyway but uh yeah it's a uh, it's a, a match that we will have to probably play a little bit more defensive. Because, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we, we... Whether it was Chivas or Tigres, they rested their squad and they yeah. blasted them. And they're coming out with names like Pabon and yeah. uh, Rogelio Funes More. I mean, these guys are coming out with players that have played in the Premier League and, and yeah. players that can win Liga Emeki. This is going to be probably the best team we play all season. Yeah, and all that we've season. ever faced, really. And uh, They have a squad, estimated squad value of around 93 million, whereas our team yeah. is estimated at somewhere around 67. So right. in the last, just to give you an example, Herediano's uh, squad value is... Market, yeah, yeah. Herediano's squad value is somewhere between 10 and 12 million, and ours, like I said, is around 67. Uh, Monterey is about 30, has, has player value of about $30 million uh, more than, we, than right. we're worth. So, and they're a very experienced team, also in this competition, they have won it yep. many times. And uh, they also have a manager in Diego Alonso that just won it recently in 2016 with Pachuca, another mm -hmm. Liga MX side. And so, yeah, he knows this competition very, very well and has won it. That's, you know, this is very tough competition, guys. I mean, you're talking, like I said, it, it, it's... It's not hyperbole. This is the best squad we will play this year. Yeah. So in MLS, in Open Cup, in in this, it this was the match that we all circled when we saw Herediano and we saw you know who they were playing in the first round, and then we all looked at this as this is a match that is that has finals written all over it. I mean, true. these are yeah. two of the best remaining eight, right. and and you know the it's winner of this lucky that we get them. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the round of eight, but I mean, the winner of this could very easily be the one holding the trophy in in May. Right. Indeed, indeed. But let's get to the players that are the players to watch for Monterey. Uh, it is Funes Mori from, uh, yeah, previously of the likes of Everton, Watford. Yeah, I mean, Argentina. <laughs> yeah, know, I mean, he's like a good, good player. And yeah, you know, he's their forward, leading goal scorer uh, with seven and eight appearances this season already. He's a big dude and a uh, fast yeah. guy. And and don't yeah. let don't let the the fact that he's that he he didn't do he wasn't a world beater at Everton. Don't let that you know mm -hmm. discourage you from the fact that he's a super talent. And in this mm -hmm. league against our players, you're gonna see what Rogelio Funes Mori can do. Yeah, indeed, indeed. But also they have a defender who likes to score goals and a lot already. You're as talking a about Nico. Yeah, Nico Sanchez. Uh, yeah, four goals as a defender already. Uh, yes, you know, he is a guy that kind of picks up a lot of bookings and he's not really the best at tackling, but he's a guy that maybe we can, you know, attack at and maybe try to uh, get some free kicks, get some, uh, some he would be to the, go our way. He would be the one guy that I would go at and I would go at with, you know, the the players that are going to draw fouls. I w if I'm Barco, I go away from him. If I'm PT Martinez and I know that the referee is going to be watching my every move, I would, I would, I would run right at Nico Sanchez. Yep. 
indeed, indeed. But uh, also, you know, we talked about Paban, and he's that forward attacking midfielder that Mr. Galazzo. Yeah, and he is very, very good at finishing at a counter. Uh, just he's uh, you know he will make you pay. He's that linchpin. We in can't there. make mistakes around Pavon. He is yeah. he is that guy that that will li- he very Lucho Acosta like yeah. in that he will make you pay. If yeah. if you turn the ball over and and he can make that run, mm-hmm. it's in the back of the net. Just go ahead and put it up on the scoreboard. Yeah. So the likes of Eric Rometty and hopefully anybody else that is in midfield need to pay super attention to him. Man market. Man mark him if possible. If spy him is, if you have to. Yeah. Have, have somebody follow him around the pitch. Exactly. Like literally, you cannot give space. If you have to break a formation to cover him, do it. Because if not, he's gonna score. Right. But uh, what is interesting is that uh, it seems like their preferred formation is a f- kind of iteration of three four three. Uh, I, I hear the, the the you know people talking already, but I think uh, the way they play it is a lot more dangerous than the way that we've been playing it recently. It's not defensive at all. Exactly, they literally throw guys forward, yeah. and it, it may line up in a certain position. They're all out attack. Yeah, like their defenders attack. Their goalkeeper looks to distribute yeah. for attack. They right. do. They play nothing conservative. So. They may, like I said, they may line up in some semblance of a three-four-three, but they're playing all-out attack. It's not, it's not a Dutch-style total ball, big switch, you know, system. It's, it's all-out balls to the wall. We're gonna beat you. And so, uh, yeah, that team that they did beat, it was Alianza, yep. and so there it was. But anyway, let's move on to the injuries for Atlanta United. Uh, yes, Escobar is still coming back into the team after being, uh, you Need know, you, buddy. Come yeah, on, man. exactly. <laughs> that that, uh, that clavicle, uh, you know, broken clavicle. So he should be training with the team at any point uh, coming up soon. So That's all about match fitness. Yeah. It, but if you can give us 30 minutes, I'll take it. Come on, right. man. I need you. I need you, Franco. Come on, big Frank. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just stay away from Braguzan. But uh, yeah, so in terms of uh, Kevin Kratz also is coming back in the team. He has trained, like we mentioned before. There was a video up posted by Atlanta United today on Twitter with him taking shots. And uh, it appears that Kevin Kratz will be available. Yeah, so that's good. Uh, George Bello still is questionable. We don't know what the the problem is exactly, but uh, his availability is unknown. But let's get into our predicted starting 11. Let's go with you first. I mean, let's start at each position. You know, in goal, yeah, he didn't have the greatest match against um, DC, but how do you go against your, you know, your, yeah. your wall? He's back? your top choice. Brad, Brad Guzan in goal. Mm-hmm. Um, with your three center backs across the back, if they can give you another 90, I, I think you have to you have to look at Miles, you have to look at LGP, and you have to look at Parkhurst. Um, I would love to know if Bello is available. Uh, I still wouldn't play him on the road at Monterey. I know Breck didn't have the best match against uh, against DC, uh, but he does have CONCACAF experience, and he's got that grit and that chip in him to, to not get pushed around when yeah. things get bad. So um, I hope that he watched film, but I would start Breck Shea. Uh, I would also restart uh, Julian Gressel as the right wing back. So, so mm-hmm. Shea and Gressel as my wing backs. Uh, the Nagby Rometty, uh Two midfielder pivot mm-hmm. works. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, if if this is the match for Barco. I, mm-hmm. I really don't. Um, I, I think PT and Joseph obviously have to play, mm-hmm. but I might look at, at at seeing if if Barco comes on as a super sub. I know Tito didn't cover himself in glory, mm-hmm. uh, but I also think that he might be that player that could give you the runs. Mm-hmm. Um, the and, runs. Well, well, <laughs> I, I think he could just give you that unbridled chaos right. that that, that makes that makes Monterey un, uncomfortable. Yeah, because they're going to come out in their stadium, you know, with their fans mm-hmm. and, and, and look to make us uncomfortable. And I think Tito more so than Barco is is the guy who's just going to give you you know balls yeah. to the wall effort and can outrun some players. Yeah, he he's going to be able to hit guys on the counter and a lot. At a lot quicker pace. And, he's also you know, he's so also the one as we've seen that. against Orlando. He's also the guy you know to unleash that 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 corkscrew of a shot that I have sure. not seen Barco take. I need to see Barco yeah. shoot the ball. Whereas I'm never afraid. Uh, Tito's never afraid to unleash oh, that absolutely. shot. Yeah. No, he, he doesn't care how silly he looks. It's yeah. A lot of times it goes in. So it goes in. Yeah, I mean, and it uh, goes in high in the upper ninety, and it, it's buried. So and yeah. it, it, it's usually at an opportune time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, granted, this is another situation to where it's like, 
we may go down, but if you can get an away goal, yeah. get it. Right. Because as we saw with Herediano, the the away goal made it yeah. you know, that much we, easier we were to back get back into, into the, the match. We yeah. were back into the tie quickly. Yeah. You know, so I do see Monterey putting goals in. We need to do our absolute best to get a road goal. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you went with 3-4-3. I mean, my heart and my mind say two different things. My, I, I, I thought I went three five two, but oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then, there you go. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of uh, maybe you know, uh, kind of I don't know what it is. Maybe faith in Frank Gabor <laughs> to change the system that quickly. I don't know if he's going to do that, and so that's where my mind says that it's probably going to be a three four three, very similar, if not the exact same lineup uh, against Herediano in that second leg. But my heart really wants him to play four three three. And if it were in that case, then I would think, uh, yeah, like it's a uh, it's a formation that you can kind of meld back and forth like we were able to uh, in the postseason. Yep. And so it's maybe a Robinson at right back, like Guzan's obviously between the sticks. Uh, you have Parky, you have LGP, and then you have Shea. And then uh, with that 4-3-3, I have Loretowitz in that middle. You have Remedi and Barco, no, sorry, Rometty and Nagby. And then you have, uh, as your front three in attack, PT, Barco, and Joseph. And then that way, at any point, it can meld into, if it's a three at the back with wing backs, um, if we are up in the match, or if we can, you know, get some sort of foothold into this match, I think, uh, you know, this is a formation that can uh, kind of meld seamlessly with attack and defense. But well, in that system, you would literally need Darlington Nagby to play your connector between your defense yes. and your, your, your attack. Right. So you also need your wing backs to, or not even your wing backs, you, mm -hmm. you really would need your right back and your left back to stay home in that, sis, in that system. Yes, indeed. And so I don't expect Miles Robinson to be bombing up and down uh, the right side. And so I think, yes, uh, you might concede some things here. You're basically uh, suggesting six defenders. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you think about, it, I mean, oh, sure. in that instance, Rometty and Lorenowitz. This are, is the are, match for them. This right? is the match to play, and you're 100 percent correct, and 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 that's what I want our fans to understand. This is the match to play defensive, on the road at El Gigante de Acero against one of the best teams in the hemisphere. Like, don't come out trying to be balls to the wall. Yeah. Like, like this. Whereas DC was not the match to bunker. This yeah. is. Yeah. So I, I would. I, I'd love to see us play six defenders and, yeah. and 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 maybe nick a goal late. Sure. You know. So I don't think we'll do that. Mm -hmm. uh, but so yeah, let's get into our <laughs> score prediction. What do you think that score line is going to be? Man, this is tough. Um, this is really really hard because they're really really good. Yeah. And and I've I've seen I've seen nothing uh, with our road form that that gives me any. Any real, you know, hope, happiness you know. or hope? Um, I really do think we need to nick a late goal. Yeah. Uh, but it's another three-one would be flattering. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I. But I think it's going to be worse. Oh man. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty something similar. I think we will take this L here, uh, but. I am a little bit slightly more optimistic that if we do play in a more defensive fashion and you know really just make sure that uh, we don't concede a ridiculous ton and not try to go for it, you know I think it's a two-one defeat. Maybe we can nick a goal. Maybe with that Tito, uh, you know, come on late as a sub and maybe, you know a moment of magic. Now the one solace is is that whole stat that we don't lose after we lose. Exactly. So, so you know maybe we can keep that streak going you know a, a draw would be amazing a victory would be unheard of yeah this would be one of those matches if we can make that that stat true still uh since i think i believe june of 2017 that would be amazing but uh guys uh that wraps up that match preview and that gets us to our question of the day and much has been made about the formation in 343 and whatnot but you know, we know it's more than just the formation. It's about the tactics. It's about, you know, you know, a lot of other things in that. And so, you know, let us know what your thoughts on all of that below. We are really looking forward to your comments 
in the uh, the comments section below. But anyway, I, I'm really interested to see yeah. what people think is the best. What's your best lineup? What's mm -hmm. your best formation? And if you can think about it in a tactical sense, where would you play some of these players that maybe aren't seeing the minutes right now uh, in, in games going forward? Because like we all know, the congested schedule is going to take a toll on these players. You can't yeah. expect these guys to play, you know, what is it, eight matches in, 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 in yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So guys and gals, that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for AJ, I'm Devin For Real. Thank you so much for listening. Thank <laughs> you.